Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 1, and, and I, I'm hoping that I'm not going to be real long today. I told Kathy I'm, I'm going to probably be short. But I want to share with you, and there's just a part of this psalm that, uh, that I want to talk about, but it's hard to kind of just pull it out. We want to read the whole thing. It's a great psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And the psalmist opens there with a recipe for, for true happiness. He says, blessed, happy is the man. Um, beyond just the normal happiness, we feel this is a blessing that comes from God. This is a sense of well-being. Blessed is a man. And he talks about his stance in life. He doesn't walk with the wicked and under their counsel. He's obviously counseled by God and God's word. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners, and he doesn't sit near the scoffers. He goes on in this, and he says he meditates on his law day and night. And if we want to really find happiness in this life, we've all got this book that generally has a leather cover on it. And many times we struggle to find true happiness in life. And the, the, the guidebook for happiness, every one of us possesses. In fact, in our country, most people have more than just one copy of the very same book. And not that we need it in different languages for most of us, but we've got it in different levels of English and different understandability. And it is very clear and very available to us. If we've ever read God's Word and said, hey, I tried reading God's Word and I just can't seem to understand it, Man, we live in a time when you could pick up a different version, a different translation that tries to bring it down to your level and your understanding and words that make sense to you. So there's really no excuse for us not being in God's Word. It really is the, the key to us finding happiness. But we'll go out, won't we, and we'll hit up Barnes & Noble or a bookstore or we'll get on Amazon and download to our Kindle all kinds of books on depression, on discouragement, on, on all these issues that we face and, and trying to find true happiness in life. And even the other night as, as we have this wedding, people download books on wedding and marriage secrets and all of this. And every one of us would never have to spend another penny because we've got all those things wrapped up here in the leather covers of this book. Amen. This is God's guidebook, and it really allows us to know who God is. And by the way, I don't think we can have true happiness, true joy, unless we know who God is and have a relationship with Him. And all of our other relationships in this life hinge on the health of that relationship. If I don't have a great relationship with my Heavenly Father, I'm going to have a difficult time having a great relationship with anybody. If we can't get along with a God who loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us, if we can't get along with a God who loves us despite our weaknesses and despite our sins and our flaws and, and the mistakes that we've made, if we can't get along with a God like that, how could we get along with anybody? Amen. This is the key to our happiness. He goes on in the text, and let's continue reading there. This is the passage that I want to get to. He says, he is like a tree, speaking of this man that has delighted in God's word. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. And we're going to come back to this. Therefore, in verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. He opened up and he says, there's happiness to be found. There's a blessing to be found for those who don't stand here, who don't sit here. And he closes the chapter by saying that the ungodly or the wicked are just the opposite, that they'll not stand in the day 
of, of, of his judgment, that they'll have a difficulty with that. And sandwiched in between that is this passage about us being like trees of living water, or planted by the living water. We've been described as a lot of things in God's word, haven't we? The Bible talks about us as being children, and, and we are the children of God, aren't we? And isn't it good to have a heavenly father that loves us like he loves us? That is always there for us. And many times in our society, folks come to church and and they have a hard time understanding this relationship to God as a father because unfortunately here below in this sinful world, they've had unhealthy relationships with earthly fathers. But God is the heavenly father. He is the perfect father. And it doesn't matter if you've got an earthly father, if yours has passed, or if yours is not around. You've got a heavenly father who's always there for you, who's always loving, who's always ready to pick you up when you need to be picked up. He's always there for us, this heavenly father. And so we're described as children. We're also described as sheep in the scriptures, aren't we? And some of us, we, we relate to that, to sheep and, and the, the messiness of sheep and the noisiness of sheep and the difficulty and the stubbornness of sheep. And I've heard some describe sheep as even being a little bit on the, the dumb side, if you will. And, and we have, we've been described as sheep sometimes that we herd together. And some of us are probably described as goats at times, sheep and, sheep and goats. But in this passage, he describes those who love God, who fear God, who honor God, as being like trees planted by living water. And I want to just kind of give you some things about these trees that, that mean a lot to, to this passage of Scripture. And the first one that I want you to know is I want you to understand the word there that he says we're like trees who have been planted, that we've been planted. We didn't just come up. We didn't just appear. In, in my yard, I've got all sorts of plants around there. And some of them, it's very obvious that they were intentionally planted. And others of them, I can tell that no one put any thought into it. They just happened. And as I walk around and sit in the backyard and watch, sometimes I know exactly how they happen. Some crow or some bird flew over and he dropped something down and it just happened to sprout up. In my front yard, I've got all kinds of pretty flowers and all kinds of bushes and things like this. And in the middle of the yard, somehow, some way, there's an orange tree. And I don't think it was ever planted there. Personally, I think someone went out there and ate an orange and threw the rest of it on the ground and it probably grew up. It wasn't an intentional planting. And I'm going to dig that thing up because it's got big old thorns on it. And you've all seen plants that just seem to appear out of nowhere. And, and we understand that they weren't intentionally put there. And he tells us that the man who loves God has been planted, that there was some thought that went into that. There was a, a master gardener, if you will, that planted us that was in charge of us and that God had a purpose, if you will, for our lives. We were planned out. Sometimes we joke about us being mistakes. You know, we were the, the child that wasn't planned, and all of a sudden we came along. And as we especially say that if we have children older in life, and we say, well, they, that, was a, that was a surprise. And that was, but listen, there are no surprises in God's eyes. That every one of you here today, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. That you didn't just appear, you were planted by a heavenly father, by a, a master gardener, if you will. That you were planted. And so there's this idea of being planted, and, and it is an intentional planting. We've been planted by Christ, and we've been planted in Christ, if you will. And the Bible talks a lot about us being in Christ. One of my favorites is in Corinthians. He says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. And we get this idea that in Christ, we're, we're like this fresh new plant that springs up something brand new. And it's almost as if God went through our garden and weeded us out and he planted a brand new seed where we once existed and we came up a brand new, entirely new creature. 
We've been planted by Christ and we've been planted in Christ. So there's this purpose about us. But also this idea of planting gives this understanding of of being planted or having our feet set, if you will. And that's really what what I want to stress to you this morning is, is the need for us to be planted or to be firm where we belong. And he talks about in this passage, we're like trees who've been planted by streams of living water. And those trees are ones that will survive and they'll thrive because everything they need to exist is right there where they are. And oh, how we need Christians, men and women alike, who will plant their feet on solid ground, the solid rock foundation that the New Testament describes our faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, when he te- talks about the church, he talks about the church being blessed with pastors and teachers and, and, and evangelists. And he says the whole purpose for these gifts is so that we're no longer like children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. In other words, we've been planted firm. We're there. We're not going anywhere. And we live in such a culture that people are here today and gone tomorrow, aren't they? It's, it's unusual. Probably Farmersville is a little bit different, but it's unusual for people to stay in one area their entire life. But we do run across folks that, man, they planted some roots and they are there. And some of you are saying, yeah, I planted my roots. I'd like to dig them up and move somewhere else. Somewhere where there's water. <laughs> you know, somewhere where there's rain. But that stability is so necessary in life. We're so nomadic. We travel. We journey. We, we get so far away from home, and it has changed our, our very fiber. And in the church, it affects the church also. That we need folks that are going to say, hey, I'm here today, and unless the Lord takes me home, I'm going to be here five years from now. That I, I'm going to be serving God, and I'm going to be ministering, and I'm going to be serving, and you can count on me to be here. I will always be. I am just planted where I'm at not going to run when things get tough. I'm not going to fall away from the Lord when I go through trials. In fact, in those times, I'm going to send my roots down deeper so that I can stay where I'm at and I can get the nourishment that I need. We constantly go down. And so there's this idea of being planted. And then there's this understanding in this passage, not only are we planted, but he speaks about the position of that tree. The tree was planted and where was it planted is important also. That it was planted beside the streams of living water. And can you imagine in, in the psalmist's time where he lived in this vast wilderness area? And many of us would look at that entire area of the world as being a, a massive desert, wouldn't we? Nothing like, although we're headed that way if we don't get rain, but nothing like where we live, where we've got lush gardens and fruit and trees. and oh, It's just a desert area. And so for a tree to be planted, to be planted by the living water would have been very important. In fact, many times if you're out and you're traveling along a barren stretch, isn't it interesting that sometimes off in the distance you can see an oasis, if you will, of trees and just a green spot in the middle of all the brown. And you know, don't you, that if there's a bunch of green out there in the middle of the brown, that there has to be something else there too. Generally, there's a source of water. It's a creek that runs through there or a riverbed that runs through there. But some way or another, there's water there supplying that thing. And every one of us needs to be sure that we've been planted by the living water also. Because I'll tell you this, we live in a desert region too, don't we? This world that we live in can be a dry, hot, cruel place. There is so much deadness all around us, isn't there? There is the the desert of despair. There's the desert of, of just anxiety. There's the desert of depression. There's so much around us that is just dry. And if we're not planted by the streams of living water, personally, spiritually, and that living water is Christ Jesus, isn't it? 
And listen, if we're going to survive like these trees that he talks about in this desert place, we need to be planted as close to Christ as is possible. That if we're suffering from from a need in our lives, that we need to get closer to Christ. That if we're suffering from the barrenness of a, a world around us, that we need to draw closer to the Lord. That He is going to be the source of our strength. He's going to be what keeps us green and flourishing, no matter what's going on all around us. And we are like lights in the darkness, the Bible says. And we're like those green trees that we see off in the distance in the middle of a desert area. That the reason we're green and the reason we're still thriving is because we have planted ourselves close to Christ. We're firm there. We're in the book. We're, we're on our knees praying and we're lifting our hands, praising the Lord. And we're calling out to him and we're living by his word and we're talking to him daily. We're planted in the position that is closest to Christ. Jesus said, I am the living water and we desperately need him in our lives. And then the third thing that I want you to see in this psalm is the productivity. There's the, the planting that is intentional There is the position that we're as close to Christ as is possible. But then there's the productivity that's mentioned. He said we're like trees planted by living streams of water that brings forth its fruit and its season. And brothers and sisters, it is so important that you and I get as close to Christ as possible because it is expected of us that we are fruitful. That we have things that come from us. That we're not just here to to soak up everything. That there is a day coming when God is going to expect us to have a return, if you will. We talk about sometimes the fruit of the Spirit. And although I really think that the key in there is the fruit of the Spirit, it's the Spirit's work in our life that gives us these things. And I believe when he's talking about us being fruitful, he's talking about the impact we have on the world around us and the production of other people who love God. That every one of us is expected to touch other people's lives in a very special way. That we're expected to point them to Christ. That we're expected to have some part in the salvation process. That that we point people to Christ. That we share the gospel with them. That we pray with them. We may not do all of these things, but we have a part in these things. This morning as we baptize this young girl. Amen. Isn't it? It's just exciting to see. I told someone, man, I could see kids being baptized every week, and I think that would be a great thing in our church, a healthy thing, that lives are being touched. But that life had a lot of hands involved in the process, didn't it? That none of us can bear complete uh, credit and say, hey, that's, that's mine, that everyone had a role in that. And every one of us needs to be involved in being productive for Christ. Listen to John 15, verses 1 through 5. Christ says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, he says, because of the word that I have spoken to you. And then listen to what he says. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And the wonderful thing about that is my way of producing fruit is simply to abide or live in Christ. In other words, he took and he intentionally planted me. He had a purpose for my life. 
And I need to be planted as close as possible to Christ. I need to stay in that position where I'm being nourished and provided for so that I can grow as a Christian. And the wonderful news is this, that if I stay in Christ and I live in Christ and I live for Christ, the natural result will be there'll be fruit that comes from my life. And he takes such pressure off of us. I don't have to go around trying to manufacture this thing. It just happens naturally because of what God has done in my life. You ever gone through and drove through these orange trees and these walnut trees? And you think those trees stress about production? I think the farmers probably do. But I doubt very seriously the walnut trees have, you know, oh man, what am I going to do? He's going to chop me down if I don't put out enough nuts this year. They don't think a thing about it. Those orange trees are never stressed out. The only stressed out they get is when freeze time comes. They don't worry about it. My tomato vines, the only thing they stress about is gophers. <laughs> they don't stress about putting out fruit. And you know what? You and I, we might stress about a lot of things in this life. We've got to turn those over to God. But what Christ is saying is just live in me. Live for me. Stay close to me like a vine to its branches and let me fill you. Let me work through you. And he says, if you'll do that, you will bear fruit. And he says, really, apart from that, you can't do anything anyway. And so there's the production that takes place. And finally, in this psalm, he talks about a sense of permanence. He says that if we abide in Christ, and, and he goes on and he says, we're going to produce this fruit. We're going to have fruit. And he says, its leaf also shall not wither. It's like an evergreen, if you will. It, it is always there. And, and what a wonderful thing that is to know there's a sense of permanence in my relationship with Christ, isn't there? That when I gave my life to him, and he wrote my name down in the Lamb's book of life, and I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. And, and, and the idea that the leaf will not wither, I mean, that, that's saying something. And it's not talking physically there, is it? Because I don't know about you, but I look in the mirror and I see this thing withering away. Sometimes, have you ever done that? Just looked in the mirror and said, man, what has happened to you? I'm okay until I look at an old picture. Kathy keeps an old wedding picture of us in the hallway. And I hate that picture now. <laughs> I walk through the hall and I see that thing and I'm thinking, who in the world is that? And I realize physically I'm withering. Amen. Maybe not withering away size-wise. I'm flourishing there. But the Bible says they that trust in the Lord will be made fat. So, amen. We can tell you that have a lack of faith in your life. You're not getting fat. But physically, we're withering away. And so when he says that we're like trees and our leaf does not wither, he's not talking about this physical body. He's talking about our soul. And our soul, if we abide in Christ, is renewed day after day after day. And it is just the beginning because one day he's going to take us home and we're going to live forever and ever and ever. Our leaf will not wither. And he sums that all up and he says, this is why I'm describing you as like trees. He says, because as a child of God who trusts God, who walks with God, who doesn't get distracted by this world, he says, you're going to prosper. And then he says, but the ungodly are not like this. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be the mighty oak than to be the chaff, the, the cast-off, the casings, if you will, the, the dead 
things that blow away in the wind. I'd rather be the walnut tree than the walnut dust, if you will. But it all depends on our relationship with Christ, doesn't it? Do you know Christ as your Savior this morning? Do you understand that he has a purpose for your life, a plan for you? You're not just here by chance. You're one of God's creations. And his greatest purpose is to save you this morning, to have a relationship with you, to bring you to his Father, our God, and take your hand and put it in the hand of the fathers and say, reconciled. This one is with me now. Do you know Christ? He wants to plant you by that living water. He wants to prosper you. Maybe you're here this morning as as a believer. Maybe you've backed away from the Lord. You're not as deeply planted as you once were. Your roots aren't going down deeper and deeper. Maybe you've been suffering for that. And this morning, maybe God is saying, hey, it's time for you to plant some roots in me. It's time for you to firm up your commitment, if you will, and say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to serve the Lord all the days of my life. Let's stand. Dear God, I